when you when you read a sentence like the mundane noise of his wife, do you think surely, surely this man has been divorced many times? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Rhetorizer, a show about books. With John, Kevin, and Roxanne. Season 1 is a deep dive into Philip K. Dick. This week, all the total recalls. We are gathered here today to talk about three total recalls. There's the story, which is actually called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale by Philip K. Dick. There's the 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger Total Recall. And there's the 2012 Total Recall starring Colin Farrell. I'm Kevin Sexton. This is uh, my usual co-host, John. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Try try a little harder. (laughs) Hey, guys! (laughs) (laughs) John with an H here, ready to... Ready to go to Mars? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. What do you want me to say? Uh, wait, wait. Let me think of something. Um, let me. No, let me. Let me. Let me drink some of the soda pop first. What are you drinking? Okay, I'd like to go back to my original answer of hello. Oh, you know, a little soda pop. Um, and that voice was uh, beer. Roxanne. It's a beer. <laughs> Roxanne Hudon, who's joining us once again, live from Fogo Island. Yeah, this was this was how I got Roxanne to come on the show again. I was like, we watched our recall, and then she was like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I said yeah. only if we watch two total recalls. <laughs> yeah, we were saying, you, "Hey, hey, Roxanne, you know, please, please come, please come back again." And she's like, "Oh my god, you're gonna make me read more Phil Kid." No, 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 we'll watch a watch a total recall. She's like, "Better make it two and We were yeah. like, "Well, we got news for you because there are exactly two total recalls, two total recall." <laughs> so uh, we've got a lot to get through. So we're gonna have to kind of zoom through them today, uh, starting with the story. So I gotta say, because we're zooming through it, I'm coming completely unprepared for this one i mean i've seen and read everything but uh like i told kevin uh we're going through some potty training stuff like this this is a 30 page story it took me 30 sittings to get through <laughs> sorry i did a page at a time it was horrible uh you, you and it. and both movies also took me many sit-throughs to get through because my kids are interrupting me all the time um also one of the movies was super boring we will keep you which one the, the, the listener in suspense Oh, <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about the story first. Okay, so Roxanne, the thing you have to know about Philip K's short stories is most of them are awful. Um, I don't know about most of them, but a lot of the ones we've read are awful. Uh, um, yeah, John's- we read some awful ones, but I w- I would say it's a solid fifty fifty. Where fifty percent of them are amazing and fifty percent of them are crap. And maybe this one violates the rule, or maybe it lives up to the rule. I don't know. We'll find out. What are the bad ones and what are the good ones? The best one is Electric Ant, which is still my favorite Philip K. Dick thing ever. Um, it's about uh, a guy who wakes up to find out that he's Electric Ant. He's basically an android that's run on like a little, like uh, literally like a tape cassette, like um, ticker tape machine, like running through him. And then he's like, well, I'm going to mess with this to see what it does to my sense of reality. Uh, that one is really cool. And we've also read all the other horrible ones like Golden Man, which they made a Nicolas Cage movie about, where um, this like guy is basically the Ubermensch and he can tell the future for like two minutes in advance and he's covered completely in gold. And because he's covered completely in gold, women cannot resist him. <laughs> and and it's like he's also like a child though. He's like I don't know, that sounds great. <laughs> It <laughs> sounds great. It, there's some parts that are kind of cool. It's really gross, though. There's like like, a lot of like sexualized image, like 
language about teenage girls and like yeah i don't know and there's like a really uh, smart powerful woman and she's like she's like a scientist and they're like they capture this guy to study him but then he corners her like in a broom closet because he like escapes and she's like he's so gold and they they bang basically and uh basically the, at the end the other uh antagonists are like well we're doomed because we can't outcompete him sexually his genes are just gonna like dilute humanity and he's gonna take over all right um, we did a whole but, episode on the Golden Man. We don't need to. I come to think of it, I think, I think in in my memory, Golden Man has turned to be a pretty awesome story. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like I was to like, revise my, my final okay. judgment on that one. <laughs> There's also a scene where someone's like pouring a glass of water, and someone's like quietly sneaking around their house, checking like every room in the house while they're pouring this glass of water. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's a different book. That's a different story that we read before. Uh, right. So we're today we're talking about we can remember for it for you wholesale. Uh, Philip K. Dick short story. The basis of Total Recalls one and two. Um, in this story, Douglas Quayle, not Douglas Quaid. Um, I should say I've seen Total Recall the movie many times. Right, like many times. It's kind of like a you know one of those staples. You're in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies growing up. Um, and uh, I was very surprised to find out that this was not Douglas Quaid. Uh, we'll talk about there's, that later in the movies. There's, there's a good reason for that. I'm oh, there is? Safe. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do not know anything about the history of the making of the movie, so I'm really yeah. looking forward to you educating me. But yeah, so Douglas Quayle uh, wakes up one day, and he's like to his wife, he's like, I really want to go to Mars. And she's like, let's go somewhere else instead. Going to Mars is stupid. You're just a dumb clerk with a dumb <laughs> job. And he's like, he's like, no way. I want to go to Mars. And then, uh, and it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty funny when he's like leaving the house, and she's like, and she's like, "Where are you going?" And he's like, "I'm going to Mars." <laughs> like, stuff like that. Um, but then he, like in the movies, he um, sees an ad. Uh, oh, sorry, he applies to. Uh, actually, he doesn't see an ad. He applies to this company called Total Recall, R E K A L L. One um, and to implant a fake memory of him going to Mars because he figures that this is the only way. Uh, lowly clerk like him can afford to go to his dream vacation, but uh oh, they find out that when they put <laughs> when they put him under, that actually he has been to Mars and he's uh, a secret agent. Um, and he was a secret agent. I also forgot to mention he wanted to go to Mars as a secret agent. That was like his fantasy. And then um, in a really funny scene, uh, the uh, Total Recall guy who works there, McLean, uh, is like, oh crap we have to erase this guy's memory that we even did this because we can't implant uh, like a fake memory on a real memory or something. It's not really clear to me. Uh, but then he decides that they'll only refund him half. And when, when <laughs> yeah. pressed, McLean is like, man, <laughs> basically just like pure greed. Also, you forgot to mention that his wife's a fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's, 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 she's horrible to him. She totally sucks. The mundane noise of his wife, he says. <laughs> I also love the part where they're like, he decides to leave and he's just like, great. Like there's no, like there's, there's, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know? It says finally in italics. <laughs> when she leaves it, he, he thinks finally. <laughs> when you, when you read a sentence, like the mundane noise of his wife, do you think surely, surely this man has been divorced many times? <laughs> I think he just, yeah, he also describes her voice as an eternity of sameness. <laughs> wow, geez. Can you imagine how, like, okay, I don't want to get too biographical. So Dick, Dick's, but Dick's women are often 
like this, right? But can you imagine being like one of his exes and reading this and be like, is this about me? Like, is this what he ended up thinking about me? Like, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be so happy you're not with that man anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, okay, I liked, I liked the beginning of this. The first sentence, he awoke and wanted Mars. I just love it. His longing sets it up. He's just like a lowly clerk. He can never get to go to Mars like those fancy government guys or rich people. I like that sentence. That whole section is really funny, though. I was just trying to think about a lot of the funny things where his his wife, his his uh, Roxanne, called her a dumb bitch. Uh, she uh, she's like, "Oh, what were you dreaming about?" And she's like, "I'll bet it had to do with some woman." And he's like, "No, I was dreaming about a god, the god of war. <laughs> he has wonderful craters and every <laughs> with every kind of plant life growing deep down in them." Like. <laughs> it's pretty it's like a ridiculous response to your angry, jealous wife. I'm dreaming about the god of war, baby. Mars, the planet, actually. Yeah. What is he in this story? He's just like a government yeah. clerk, right? Like he's he's just like an yeah. office guy. Well, it turns out he's many things. Excellent segue. Uh, so he believes he's a clerk, but then he finds out. We find out that he's actually not a clerk. He is an assassin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right, right. He's an assassin who's saving the world from aliens. Well, so, yeah. So he gets these fake memories, but they don't work because they can't put the two double fake memories. But then he figures out that he did not get his service he paid for because, like, he basically has, like, receipts. And he has a memory of going into the clinic. So he calls them up and he, like, lodges a complaint. Because McLean only gave him half his money back. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> and they give him half his money back. So he calls him and he like lodges a complaint. And then he finds um, like proof that he's been to Mars. He finds like these like worms and like, uh, what was it? Like algae? He found tangible proof of his, uh, of his, of his trip, you know? And I'm trying to find out what, the, what were they? Like the meso worms? What are they called? They're pretty cool. Maw worms? Yeah, yeah. Maw worms. That's what I, I like that. Yeah. The maw, he finds like he finds like dried up maw worms like in his desk, and then he he like lodges a complaint and he's telling his wife he's like he's like I think I've actually been to Mars and she's just like she's like you're drunk <laughs> you're drunk shut up <laughs> or worse but then she doesn't say what worse is <laughs> yeah what could what could possibly be worse than being drunk <laughs> being messed up on narcodine that's what it is yeah. So I like this thing where he suddenly finds out that he has a chip in his brain that's been, uh, instead of Interpol, it's Interplan, who's like these interplanetary police that he's that he was working as a secret agent for. And because he has a chip in his brain, he's like trying to outmaneuver them, but everything he thinks, they know he's thinking, so he can't like think ahead of them. They say, be careful what you think can be held against you, which is a very funny line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and what, what's interesting, though, about that, they kind of have that scene in the movie, sort of, when they have, like, the tracker in um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's brain. But with this is, they, they have this, 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 this memory device where they can, they can read his thoughts, and he uses it to communicate with them as he, like, regains his memory. And then he uses it to, like, threaten them. And it's funny, because first they go, like, we're going to, like, the Interplan uh, officers that wait, like, ambush him in his apartment, you know? They're like, we're, we're going to have to kill you. We're going to have to kill you. And then he's like, he remembers like Kung Fu essentially. And he like disarms them. And he's like, you better get away from me before I kill you. And then he starts thinking like threats at them that they like register. And then he like thinks like up a deal with them. And they're like, okay, fine. We're not going to kill you anymore in exchange for your service. Because it turns out he was a government employed assassin sent to Mars to kill someone. 
and he like did it very well. And he says he only got five years of assassin training. I was like, that doesn't feel like very long to become like a pro assassin, you know? Like I've been doing my job for more than five years and I'm still pretty bad at it. <laughs> they don't really say who he killed, right? They just say he killed like the leader of a political organization. And that he like disappointed Oh yeah, the the white all protecting father public image. Yeah, that 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 part was pretty interesting too with like I mean that's like definitely like Dick's politics, right? Like you know, kind of like the like American setting out or or Cold War sort of politics. You know, you, you sort of have this like like you know spotless image at home, but you really you know you're 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 sending out and arming like other countries or or people to go do like horrible things. You know, or you're like you know toppling other governments. You know, but I guess this is like yeah, even in this, you know especially in the sixties and seventies and eighties and now forever, I guess. Um, the CIA, but yeah, so basically. so that 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 was kind of interesting. Yeah, basically the CIA, exactly. Yeah, and 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 I like that he's like thinking these threats at him at them, and then he like comes up with like a solution, and he's like, "Well, just give me some like fake memories again." And they're like, "No, like we've tried this, but like you're basically too much of a badass. Like you're gonna try and find you're gonna find the truth. You're gonna get restless again." And he's like, "You're gonna have to give me uh, some uh, some like like other memory that makes me feel really like important that'll like." calm me down basically and they're like okay that sounds great and he assumes his memory is going to be like one of many women he's like it's probably going to be me being a casanova with many women <laughs> yeah, yeah. i, I want to talk about how this like this book this story is like an adolescent the most adolescent power fantasy like ever like this unassuming clerk who like you know he's like he's in like a horrible relationship he hates his job and it's like no no secretly you are a total badass <laughs> at one point the lady uh, at recall the the receptionist the uh, woman with a, a well articulated body I believe he describes oh and who her. does not wear and a shirt also, who just like he just has like her boobs painted different colors every time he comes into <laughs> to the office as 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 is the style. Yeah. Um, and she's like you're you're just a normal clerk but she says like literally you're just a normal clerk but you're quite good looking except when you're like angry so he's like all of a sudden now he's like really like attractive and he's like a badass and then he's like it's like he can have every memory he wants he's like i'll have all the women and then it turns out that he's actually the savior of earth um because he stopped like a small alien species of like rodent like people who were like described as like field mice i think and uh, they like appoint him as like the protector of Earth, essentially, and that if he dies, they'll come and invade. Yeah, because he was kind to them. They came and, and instead of like stepping on them and killing them and getting destroyed by their reinforcements, he was kind to them. And they're like, okay, we won't, we won't, we won't <laughs> take over Earth until you're dead. So just by simply yeah. by existing, he is the most important human being on the in the world. Yeah, which is like what every little boy wants. Yeah. Well, they even talk about that, right? Because it was like a, it was like a childhood fantasy of his, and like the other interplanet agents are like making fun of the arrogance of this of this like fantasy that he has. Like, ah, whatever. As they're implanting this memory into him, and then it turns out like the original one to actually be real. Yeah. What a wiener. Yeah. What do you think, Roxanne? Um. What do you think about that wonderful fantasy of his? I really like this story. Like, I don't understand. Well, anyway, we're going to talk about the movie soon, but I feel like they're so, like, straight from this, and I actually think it would have been cool to see, like, this play on screen. Like, <laughs> just this kind clerk stopping an alien invasion. Like, that's a movie. What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? 
So you want to see like a figure, like let's say The Rock, and he's like wandering in the forest one day, and these little like miniature aliens stop by, and they're like, they're like, we're gonna invade your planet, and he's like, no, 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 please, please, my little friends, please come, come, come into my giant oversized hand, or n- nuzzle yourselves in my my oversized bicep, uh, y- you know, build your little cities in 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 the peaks of my trapezius major, and 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 then find solace, and they're like, you know what? This guy fucking rules. Let's call <laughs> off the invasion. You know what? As long as you're alive, this planet is okay with us. And you know what? Here's some more. We're going to give you a death stick. Anyone fucks with you, use this death stick. In fact, you can even use it to get a job. You can be an assassin. We don't care. You're the best. And that's what happens in this story, essentially. I mean, I mean like, I'm sorry, uh, but that's a, that's a Pixar movie. That's 100% a Pixar movie. <laughs> Maybe not the death stick. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not a death stick. It could be something cute. Like, I don't know, something that makes pizza. <laughs> like a pizza yeah. stick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have, like, little little mice and, like, bubble helmets. Like uh, like old divers or old, like, cartoon astronauts. Or, like, the, the squirrel and Spongebob. It's basically just squirrel and Spongebob Squarepants. Yeah. Right? The only thing that bothered me, but, like, this probably bothers you guys more because you've read, like, just PKD. The, like, dream thing again. Because I just... <laughs> Like, I would have preferred this to be, like, real, but then leaving it, like, with him not being sure. Do you know what I mean? If if, if he, this is real or not. Oh, but I, I love, I love like, the fake out, though, where, like, he has the adolescent fantasy and the psychologists are all making fun of him. And then they go to implant the fake memory because that'll, like, keep this, like, killer assassin, like, sated. And then it's, like... Of course, there's always like the like the twist Shyamalan like ending with Dick. It was like actually no, that wasn't an adolescent fantasy. That was real. Like that actually happened. And if this guy dies, the planet is fucked. And then also he was a like a killer assassin because of this because they gave the little like little like bite bite sized aliens gave him this like death stick. It's like it's really I, funny. Yeah. Like that's really funny. I liked ending. it too because <laughs> often his stories are just kind of like well actually maybe nothing is real. Kind of like you're saying like you don't know. But it's also just like, actually, maybe there are seven realities and this isn't a good real one. And then, so I kind of liked there actually was this twist that was um, a good twist out of that. Yeah. Like Johnson, like a kind of surprising twist. I, I do want to talk about, like Roxanne said, I want to talk about how much this strayed from the, like how much the movie strayed from okay. this. Cause like, okay. Well, well, why don't we talk about that then? Okay. It's time. Okay. It's cause, time. Cause this, this, this would be a great, oh, can we just talk about if we like the story or not? Yeah. I liked it. I really liked it, too. I liked it a lot. I noticed that there was the return of the frog pelt suit, and I just wonder how many times these, like, type of things come back. Or I don't... I forget in Three really? Stigmata. Where was, was that? Fr- I, didn't, I didn't catch that. I think McClain, Mr. There's McClain an artificial... is wearing a frog pelt suit. There's also oh, an artificial really? gill outfit that they discuss at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's cool stuff. I also liked how usually in, in the in the books there's like a talking sentient cab, but in this time it was like a cab driven by a robot, which is brilliantly reproduced in the movie, I will say. I also like that maybe because the the you know the the movie is so ingrained in your mind that I liked reading it and that the whole action is just in his mind. Do you know what I mean? Like he never actually fights anyone. It's just like he has this back and forth in his mind with them. Yeah, yeah. He has one fight where he disarms a guy, and that's it. There's not like the Verhoeven, like you know, like like hallways full of people just getting like blown to bits, you know. And and it's and it's weird because there's a lot of action in some other dicks. Like we read Paycheck, like 
and there's a lot of action in it. Like there's a lot of like running around and stuff like Again, that. Again, not a very good story. Whereas this this no, not a very good one at all. But this one doesn't really have that. Like it's just and, and it, but the other the other thing that's so good about this one and that one's Dickhead's bet is this story's really funny. It's really funny yeah. throughout. Like it's hilarious. You know? Like the dialogue is funny. Um, like the descriptions are funny. There's even like parts where he's sitting on a bench and he's watching like like Martian uh, imported birds and stuff. Which is like really good world building and is also just like silly. But yeah, I think Dick is his best when he's when he's being funny. When he's not trying to be like overly serious. Time to talk about the 1990 movie by Paul Verhoeven. It's great. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it before listening to this. But uh, I want to like actually talk about the production of this movie, which I find kind of fascinating. So you're bringing up the differences between the book and the movie. I mean, the, the story and the movie. So actually what happened was this. One second, Kevin, I got a question for you. Yeah. This is your first time watching this movie, right? Yes. How, okay, you are an undisclosed age between... I'm not trying to hide my identity. I'm 35 like and 55. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm 36 you know, years I, old. Do you I lie about be, your I age? I evolved to be, to be prey. I'm always, me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lie to be older. Um, <laughs> oh, really? How, how did you, how did you live over this long without seeing Total Recall? Like, how did you get through adolescence? See, it's one of those movies where I assumed I'd watched it at one point, but I don't. But, I, but then I watched it, I don't think I did. Like, I definitely went through a period in my teenage years of rewatching a lot of movies like this. But I think I was, I think I watched a lot more horror movies and not so many like action movies. Like, I definitely saw like a couple of the Robocops and Predator and stuff. I feel like Kevin was cool. Uh, I don't compute how being cool, like you cool means you didn't see Total right. Recall. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Got it backwards, Roxanne. Okay. Also, sorry. also, listeners should know that Kevin, for a long time, was in a vampire themed. Yeah, I was gonna say. Band, so, I yeah, feel like he was definitely was, like, way cooler cool. than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I, this is. I, I don't know. This was totally the type of movie I would have watched when I was in the band that preceded that band. But uh, I never watched this movie. I don't know why. It just. It just wasn't. It was like from a time when it's just like you watched whatever your friend had on VHS, and none of my friends had Total Recall on VHS. I guess. So you I just watched Space yeah. Jam. Yeah. I watched. Yeah. I watched Sp- a lot Space of Jam is actually based on a Philip K. Dick novel too. <laughs> I remember I watched a lot of Leprechaun movies. Uh, and like, yeah, a lot of Leprechauns, a lot of like the the the, the less good. Um, Nightmare on Elm Streets. You know, okay, okay. Did stuff. you have any sense of this movie? You must have heard when you were like uh, a child on the uh, the playground. You must have heard about the three-breasted woman. I've like heard tales throughout the years. Yeah. Well, we could talk about the three-breasted woman. She wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I didn't really know what to expect. She was more fleshed out as a character than I thought she was. Fleshed out. Nice. In the 1990 <laughs> version. Yeah. Um, so, so what happened with this book? Okay, so this guy, Ronald uh, Shusit, he optioned the story from Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick is still alive. This is pre-Blade Runner. He's a very Wait, little what? Known. When did they start production? So it must have been like 80, before 85? He optioned the story in 1974 for oh, $1,000. $1,000? It took 16 nice. years to make this movie. <laughs> so basically, he hires this guy, this other guy who had some film experience, Dad O'Madden, to, to like help him write a script. But he quickly realized, like, oh, there's not really enough in this story for an entire three-act movie. Like, we basically have act one. What? So that's Disagree. why Disagree. There's three acts. 
There's you could just three acts. There's Quail uh, wants to go to Mars. He goes to Recall. Then he finds out that is he finds out that he didn't get the fake memories that he wanted, and also finds out that he's like actually an assassin. And then there's the whole part about him um, being the like uh, the savior of Earth by helping the little the little the little miniature space people, uh, you know, uh, find love, uh, find experience the love of humankind through his kind empathy. That's that most an, an act and a half. Then no, yeah, that could be a good ending, but like there's just not there enough there for a film movie. So basically, they they write. Over 40 drafts of this movie over the years. There's like a bunch of different actors get attached to be Quaid. There's seven different directors over the period of time. Like Cronenberg was attached to direct it at one point. Um, he wrote some drafts. He actually like a lot of the mutants, including Cuado. At yeah, the it wasn't Cuado. When I, when I grew up, people told me Cuado was a Cronenberg thing. Yeah, because Cronenberg was supposed to direct this movie for a while. But then there was like creative differences. Like he didn't want it. Um, yeah, there were creative differences and he left. I read before the short. I read the short story that Cronenberg like thought that his version was like more serious and more true to the PKD short story. But like, did he think that the PKD short story was serious? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> but that that tracks. Cronenberg's too serious for my taste. That's why. And that the version was. Sorry, very... I, I forget who. I forget what the writer's names were, but they wanted to do more of like an Indiana Jones type movie, and that's what Cronenberg disagreed on yeah so but yeah and there's also like there's different actors attached to play quaid oh yeah so his name in the movie is quaid and not quail you know why no i don't know why the vice president's last name was quail oh i think there was election campaign going on or something it was gonna be too confusing so they're just like we're gonna call him quaid instead um yeah so a lot of studios basically read it and liked it and they were like but considered unfilmable because it was just, they were just like, it's too too expensive. There's too many special effects. And like, these guys were untested. But in the meantime, these two guys write the story for Alien, which gets picked up and is a huge hit. <gasps> and and one of them gets a development deal with Disney. So that, that gets a kickstarted again. And then they start filming and other stuff happens. They get other people. Oh, no, sorry. It wasn't Disney started filming. A different studio started filming it in 87, but then that studio went bankrupt. So these guys are like trying to get someone else to buy it. And then um, Arnold Schwarzenegger got attached. And then but he was like, this Arnold... was like height of his power. I thought Arnold really wanted the role. Like he loved the script, but the producer of, yeah. of, of, of the company that went bankrupt refused. Like he really didn't want Arnold because he's like, this is supposed to be an everyman. Arnold is like the opposite of an everyman. And then when the company went bankrupt, Arnold was like, yes. this is my chance, guys. And then he really wanted, like, Arnold's basically the one who hired Paul Verhoeven because he loved Robocop. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So, like, that guy who didn't want Arnold was right. Like, he was right. <laughs> like, we would have ended up with a Colin Farrell movie if that well, guy had his way. Well, no, we would have had, like, movie. You know we would have like, had okay. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> Christopher Reeve, Jeff Bridges was being considered. These are not all these people are cast. They were all the cast are considered at different points. William Hurt and Patrick Swayze were all like in running or being considered at different points. Imagine this movie with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, that would be kind of cool. That'd be interesting. But Christopher Reeves that. would be very, very boring. Richard Dreyfus would be super boring. <laughs> he wanted it to be like in his image, so like to be a good guy, just like a good regular guy, because he was just doing these like. I don't know. In my head, Richard Dreyfuss always played a teacher. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense why instead of why Quaid is like a guy who just his job is just like raking rocks with a jackhammer instead of being a government clerk. 
that that's more suitable for Arnold. I, I thought guess. that was just okay. My my theory is that it's just to have the film. If they film the scene where Arnold is all jacked and he's like has the jackhammer and you can see like all his muscles because you don't really see a lot of his muscles in this movie. And in the nineties, he's kind of like he's kind of get, he's getting smaller. You know what I mean? It's not as his Mister Olympia peak. Like you really only you really only see him topless like once in this movie. Like when he's waking up with Sharon Stone th- and he's got his like really jacked traps. I think in the original script, it was he. They changed it from a clerk to an accountant, and then they changed it to a construction worker for Arnold because it just didn't make sense that Arnold would be an accountant. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then, like Arnold, like Not being audited. <laughs> like what I loved reading about the like story of the production is how much Arnold like loved this story. Like he just wanted to be involved and like every aspect of the production like he really loved this story and i and i think like i think that's what makes him such a great action star the fact that he like cares so much you know what i mean like he it puts it that's what made him great like you can what, tell what did he love so much about this he just absolutely adored the story and he got mad at the company because you thought like the ads weren't good enough so he made them like redo the ads <laughs> So what you're saying is like whatever you think about Arnold, like at least he's passionate. But what what about this story spoke to him so much? Like I don't I don't get it. Like it's not. Do you want me I to mean, call him? I'll call him. <laughs> I mean, there is like an Arnold movie as like a type, but like I guess, but like, but what about this script spoke to him so much? Like John, it is so windy in, in where you live. It's crazy. I can hear the wind on your microphone. Yeah, it's a big storm right now. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm risking. I'm risking life and limb. But but what 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 is it? Did he, did he say what is it about the script that he likes so much? I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't see. That. I just know that he it's, like it's, really. It's a really silly it. movie. Like this movie is very silly. But he likes that, right? Like he he all he, he's done like silly big action movies before. But I, I think he committed to it. I thought he thought anchor- this was like serious. Oh, he, he I, no. Well, I think what makes it no. work is that he takes it seriously. That he that he doesn't see it as like a silly yes. story or a silly movie, and that's what makes a great action star. Like he probably really saw himself as like a construction worker who wanted to go to Mars. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> just like Tom Cruise thinks he's a jet pilot. I, I agree with you, and I don't agree with you. Just like Vin Diesel thinks he has the greatest family, and he's creating a mythology. You know what I mean? Like great action stars have to like really believe what they're doing is great. It's not a joke. It's serious. You know? Yeah, but I, I, I believe that. I believe. Okay, so like, okay, so like Vin Diesel definitely like he thinks he's like doing the most serious like movie about like family and like being like a good person. That's what makes those movies work so well. But Arnold, like, he doesn't play this completely straight. Like, he clearly, like, like loves the one-liners and the yeah, scenes. Exactly. And he does it with, like, such relish that, like, they're nothing but him, like, winking at the camera, right? Like, yeah. uh, and, like, I think you're right, but I, I just want to push on again. Because, like, I think about, like, like, I find The Rock really, really, really boring. Like, really tiresome. Oh, no, but The Rock is horrible. Like, but the Rock wants roles, to... Right? But he's horrible. Uh, but, he... but he's no charisma yeah. somehow, you know? Like... I think Arnold something appeals to him though. Like I mean, he's a Republican. He is. He is. He's a big weightlifter. Like I think something does appeal to him about like this normal guy can be like this action hero, the most important guy in the world. You know, like I think that <laughs> appeals to him. Like I think he likes the normal man who pursues someone bigger kind of thing. Arnold somehow makes the line where he's committed to the role, but he's also having fun. He's yeah. also having fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I thought it was like even hilarious when you see him like walking through the subway. Like I think it's the opening of the movie, but like you can. You can tell that there's nothing normal about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I feel like even the way he's walking, like, <laughs> I can almost hear him thinking, like, act normal. And he has, like, a little pep in his step. Like, he, he might as well, like, be whistling. <laughs> you know, like, this is how an everyman walks. 
and it's just not normal. Like even yeah, that, I, it's just not normal. And I feel like. And I feel like he has that little jacket on that he wears for the whole like earth part, like the little green like jacket, I think is the color. And I feel like he's like, he's like, I have to wear like normal people clothes that like cover my body. And it does nothing for that. It just makes him like look even more like, like a, like a human fridge, you know? Like, okay. I gotta say like, I loved, okay. I think this better than any other movie we've seen on this podcast, just captured Philip, the, the Philip K. Dick aesthetic in a sense. Um, like I agree. the sense of like when he wakes up and he's like in this weird home where they've got like, like it's not things that are in Philip K. books. It's things that could be in a different Philip K. book. Like, like the, they've got like a view of outside and then you find it. It's actually just like a screen and they could change it and watch the. T- and he's always like watching TV uh, while his wife's trying to seduce him. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the, and then like the, the Johnny cabs, the, Johnny cabs the holographic like tennis uh, stuff. I yeah, love the, the Johnny tennis Cab that Sharon Stone is doing, but but jo- but the Johnny Cab is the, the the best because there's a Johnny Cab, there's automatic cab drivers in like every Philip K. Dick story, and like this is like what was amazing to me that you were reading Philip K. Dick, but I haven't seen Total Recall was every single time there's an automatic cab in a Philip K. Dick story, I think of Johnny Cab. So so yeah, so I think you're you're in that world, but the one I love is like there's way more action and punching and blam 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 and everything in this movie than there is in a Philip K. Dick book. But it kind of like it works. They make it work. I do like the first fight scene when he comes back from from recall, and he's like he meets his 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 work uh, colleague who's actually like an agent, and they like accost him, and he karate chops a guy, and blood goes flying everywhere. And from like that moment on, like you know, it's going to be a really good movie. Can we talk about when like he we see him as had his job briefly, like as a construction worker? They're just like drilling. <laughs> Nothing with no helmets. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Just drill eyes, for no a second goggles, to show he's no a construction protection. worker, and then it's like, forget it. Yeah, yeah. No protection at all. It's it's the future. It's the future. They they the, <laughs> they don't need it. Also, that his coworker, I forget his name, Harry or something. He's that like, guy's an amazing actor. But like, no way that guy would be either a construction worker or a secret agent. Uh yeah. I could see that guy as a construction <laughs> worker for sure. Yeah, but not on the drilling team, maybe. No, not he's not that guy. That guy, that guy's sitting. That, guy, that, guy's, that guy's the guy who like leans on a tool, sits and drinks, drips a co- drinks a coffee, and watches everyone else work. Like, um, what I was gonna say, like that that guy for, always sticks out of my brain because um, when he's acting against Arnold, when Arnold is like his like hapless Quaid character rather than like the badass Quaid. Like I'm like this this bit character is doing such a better performance than Arnold. Like he's so, he's doing so he's so good. Like I need to find out who that guy is. Like I love him. Um, wait, wait, you're talking about the violence though, Kevin. You've seen Verhoeven movies before, right? Like you've seen like RoboCop and like Starship Troopers and stuff, right? Showgirls. I've seen RoboCop for sure. <laughs> Showgirls. <laughs> Underrated. Sharon Stone is sublime in this, but I have to I have to say when we see them together, like there's zero sexual chemistry like just watching them kiss and it just looks like she's kissing like a hard piece of skin what about the sexual chemistry of her with michael ironside like (laughs) i mean that i believe a bit more was he the boss who's like he's actually they're actually married to and then she's like pretending to be his wife yeah and that's such a good dynamic yeah and i remember like his like his sidekick guy the like the nerdy one with like the the glasses and he's like he's like what you think she didn't enjoy it and he's like he's like and he's like he's like look at him <laughs> like look at quaid like it's every woman's dream to be with arnold schwarzenegger but that's the thing about arnold too is that he's like he's a beefcake but there's like zero sex appeal about him just like 
just like an action star with Vin Diesel. <laughs> like, there's just like, they always put them with beautiful women and it's like, wasted because like, ugh, like it just makes me uncomfortable to watch them like kissing and like pretending to, like, I just feel like these men don't have sex. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's like a pure male power fantasy? They're like, surely this is what women want. Yeah, but it's so gay. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, I don't know. We'd have to have a gay man on the podcast to see, like, if if this is sexy to them. But, like, I don't know. There's, like, zero. No, like, I mean a male power, zero. like a straight male, a straight male fantasy. Oh, like, like 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 Like, incel dudes look at guys oh. like Arnold, and they're like, if I was like Arnold, all the women would want me. Like, that's well, all I have to do. Yeah, I just have to look like this sense. guy. That or if I have the gravelly voice, like Vin Diesel... You know, and like I'm like I I get the best car. You know, like I'll that I'll made I'll made it. You know. Also, Tom Cruise. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's like criteria for being a great action star. But Sharon Stone, I like kicks him or punches him in the nuts at least like five times, and every time there's a close up. (laughs) They touch Arnold's nuts in this movie a lot. Yeah, especially Sharon Stone. There's one good line where the where uh, Melina, his like actual uh, love, you know, in Mars, she she grabs his crotch and, and she goes, "What are you feeding this thing?" And he goes, "Blondes." <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of male fantasies, I mean, as you brought but, up earlier, is there anything more about the production of this movie though? You want to tell us about? I'm, I'm interested. Like, yeah, it was a huge success. It was like the, one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time, but it was like, you know, it was like a huge success. Like, it was expensive to make this movie. Yeah, it's like he. I mean, the, the special effects are huge. There's tons of like, there's tons of action scenes. Arnold himself costs, I forget what it was, twelve million dollars or something. Wow, it's, I mean, I know Arnold's expensive. But I look at the sets of this movie, and they look like just like a little better than like. Well, but think about a like, little better got, than like a Hammer movie like set or something. But think about like the guy, the guy with the drill, who's like the breaking through the walls, and then Arnold's like drilling into the car, and there's like there's and there's like all of the the red. Well, I guess the red light district is just basically like a bunch of um, uh, sh- shipping containers. Just but there's like, like sound the, stages and stuff, you know? Like, yeah, but there's a lot good, of like there's good. a lot of car chases and guns and stuff like that. Like I think there are mutants. Like I think there's probably a lot of visual effects involved with making the mutants make yeah the, the, free, free i love i love the visual effects in this movie it must have been like so much more fun for for actors before cgi to like have to act on actual sets you know what i mean instead of now they're just acting on strange like yeah green screens but to have i mean to us like venusville looks kind of so cheap but for them to actually perform somewhere that looks a little bit futuristic instead of just like on a blank screen yeah, I agree. And maybe that's part of why, like, this movie to me is, like, still so fun to watch. Like, I love the Venusville scenes. Like, I love old sci-fi movies with, like, 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 like CD bars, like Moss Eisley Cantina or something, or even, like, Jabba's Palace. Like, like that kind of, like, CD alien bar is always, like, it's always great. Like, you have, like, uh, different flashes to, like, different kinds of mutants or aliens and stuff like that. And this one does it, you know. And, and like, it's just so, it's so alive and it feels like so much is going on and it just feels like, it feels like such a place is full of like adventure and secrets, you know? And then just like flavor moments, like, like, um, like the three-breasted woman is like amazing. Like, I, I love, that's like, to me, like the movie is at its best when he's in Mars and like specifically like in Venusville, you know? Like it's a real yeah. ragtag bunch of people. It's, and, and it looks great. And you could, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the actors' performances are, are amazing. Um, yeah. 
And there's like psychics walking around. All their faces are all weird because they like they have had like oxygen deprivation from living underground. I yeah, guess and you got like quato graffiti and stuff. Like it's great, man. Venusville did remind me of Star Wars. There's something like really goofy about it. Yeah. Not sexy at all. Like it's meant to be like the sexy red light district. <laughs> you don't you don't find a, a three breasted woman sexy. You know, like oh, okay. that, I wish I had three hands. You know, like. What's better than that? That woman was, like, haunted by that role. She, like, spoke out against it after saying that she felt really, like, I don't know, uncomfortable playing that role. And she felt really, like, and she never wanted to revisit it. And people, like, she's only known for that. And I think they even asked her to come back for the reboot. And she was like, no, never. I never want to hear about it again. Really? I, I read, I, re- I I skimmed through that Vulture interview with her. She was also in Star Trek. She was, uh, she was gonna, supposed to be like a recurring character in Star Trek. I remember her. She's the one who spills like hot chocolate or something on Picard. <laughs> um, that's a shame though, that she felt so, uh, that she didn't, didn't like it. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's such an enduring, like. It's just like a silly alien moment. I, it makes me feel kind of bad. In yeah, a way, and it's just know? like a silly idea that this is supposed to be sexy, you know? Like, if you guys like breasts, do you want more breasts? <laughs> like, when you see two breasts, are you like, I wish there were more? <laughs> I think actually there were supposed to be more, and then they were like, this isn't feasible. We can only make three. <laughs> we don't it was have the money too, for like, this. We're just too busy, I guess. <laughs> Well, it's funny because we, we've talked about this, but Kevin didn't understand it. But Jacob and I referenced it. But in other dick stories, there are multi-breasted women. I mean, there are no multi-breasted women in We Can Remember For You Wholesale. But in The Golden Man, there's like an eight-breasted woman. And that like they're in a diner and they're sh- like this one guy's sharing photos of this mutant woman. He's like, look at her. She's got eight breasts. You I know? mean, and then there's I a, that's a, where it came from. Like, that's the thing. Like, the guy who wrote this, like, seems to actually know the Philip K. Dick universe. You know? I like be into this stuff. Really? I yeah, think so. Good. And then there was Kowoto, who looks like a garbage yeah. bill kid. Yeah, he does. Kowoto. Kowoto. <laughs> he does. He's like a garbage bill kid grafted onto a guy's belly. Or like the early version of Chucky. Did this, no, this came out after or before Chucky? Because he kind of really looked like Chucky to me. Uh, probably after. When was Charles play? He has, he has a Chucky's hair. He has Chucky's he hair has and Chucky's, Chucky's forehead. I don't, je ne sais quoi. Uh, this came out two years later than, than, than Charles play. Child's Play was first. Child's Play. He he, he adopted that Shrine Sequa Roxanne. <laughs> but but Quado and Quado's reveal, like I remember being a kid and watching that, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, what is this moist little psychic alien doing in this guy's stomach? And he's so like wet and glistening. He's like super gross. <laughs> he's he's incredible. Like I Quado 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 was amazing. The mo- cover of the movie. You know, the three-breasted woman will entice you in, but you'll stay for Quato, right? <laughs> like, okay, so here's what I'm going to say. This, bringing it back to kind of the, the Philip K. Dick universe, like, all of this stuff that we're talking about taking place on Mars and in Venusville and with, the, like, this this rebel group run and um, uh, Matthias who has Quato on his belly, all of that is is in the movie, but it does feel to me like it could be in a Philip K. Dick novel, you know? Like, it's like, it, it, the universe yes. feels correct. And I, I, I like... Like yes. I, I, if you if you'd watched this movie and you were like, this is based on a Philip K. Dick story, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd, I would assumed it was like a faithful adaptation. Why are all other adaptations like so serious then? That's interesting. Like Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner is great, but like it's from like what you guys have read. Are they all like kind of funny? No, Blade Runner is super serious, right? Like, I mean, the, no, Blade Blade Runner Blade Runner is super serious. It's not funny at all. The book's kind of funny, but it's more serious than his other stuff. The book the book's funny, but also Blade Runner is like a serious. Okay, so. 
what uh, another question is why are all philip k dick adaptations so different than the source material especially this is like the successful ones like blade runner is very different from do androids dream electric sheep it's not as different as this is from its source material yeah. but like it's very I don't think different. This is that different i think it takes off and then it builds because it's you know it's a short story but, but there's a lot the, the movie takes a lot of liberties yeah. let's say that yeah. can you agree with that yeah, yeah. and like, like this one does um though this one does way more but the other thing, the other thing is, one of the reasons I think this works as like an adaptation is it's because it's silly, and like Philippe Dick is silly, and like he's funny on purpose. And the movies that are very serious, like we've watched a few movies here. Uh, Blade Runner is obviously like we all love Blade Runner; it's amazing. You know, it's one of our favorite movies. But like the other ones we watched, like Paycheck, uh, <laughs> which is funny. Next, and uh, uh, what was the other one we watched, Kevin? Uh, pay, uh... Do we watch another? No, it's just Paycheck and Next, right? Yeah, Blade Runner. Blade, uh, and Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. And Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, yeah they're all, they're, none of them are funny. They're all serious movies. Like, even Next with Next the, like, funny Nicolas moments. Cage. But it's mostly funny because it's like, Nicolas Cage is like, hilarious. So it's, it's like, like, unintentionally funny. Um, but yeah, it does, they don't, they don't do a lot of funny. Oh, we watched Scanner Darkly. Excuse oh, yeah. me. Scanner oh, Darkly was, is intentionally funny, like that. but that movie is, that movie is dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, okay, here's the main way that I think this movie strays from Philip K. Dick's work. Um, there's powerful, fully developed woman in it. Yeah. She, Melina? Yeah. Uh, Would you say she's fully developed? She's com- relatively. I think I, I prefer Lori, the wife. I find Lori, I would have wanted to see more, probably because it's Sharon Stone. Like Sharon Stone at her peak, like that, <laughs> when she just like switches from being like sexy, seductive wife to cruel, like no, no one could, like that's, that was Sharon Stone. It's like rain in the 90s, right? Like she did basic instinct after this based on her performance here. She's really good as an antagonist, right? Like she's really badass. She's the perfect Philip K. Dick woman because she's really mean and really confident. Yeah. And she learned, she actually like learned Taekwondo for this and did her own stunts. No way. Really? Her kicks yeah. are great. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't show in a, she didn't supposedly, I don't know who's like, saying the truth but supposedly she didn't want to show enough skin so paul verhoven said that he was going to get her back in basic instinct because you know there's that whole feud <laughs> you're them. joking no well that's yeah that's the quote is there a feud between them Bill, because no, she no said- way he's like he's like he's like oh, oh sharon sharon you don't want to show skin total recall well i'm gonna make you show it all in basic instinct. yeah because sharon Stone no, says that, that actually she, happened she never knew that it was actually gonna be shown on camera wow did, okay, but I have a question though. Did Verhoeven ever talk to her about maybe putting three vaginas down there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I did. I also good change subject. Um, I liked that would be a shocker. No, it would be a, it would be a, it would be a shocker. Okay, I have a serious question for you guys. I have a serious question. Demure, aggressive, or sleazy? <laughs> Aggressive. <laughs> yeah, aggressive. <laughs> that was spot on. Does he, does he choose all three? Was that how it goes? No, I think he says sleazy, does and then he he's like, and then last minute he says demure <laughs> as well. He wants a combination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, does he do the opposite? He goes demure, and then they're like, mm, he goes sleazy. <laughs> uh, but uh, Roxanne, you said that they really nailed PKD. I love that you've been on this episode. You've just show for you know, it's your second episode and you've already, you already completely understand. Philip K. Dick. 
<laughs> yeah, things that don't make sense, and women are shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, don't forget all of the people just being people with their shitty future technology. That's trying to true. watch, That's true. trying to watch the TV wall while their while their wives try to have sex with them. Do you, see, Kevin, you're trying to push us away from this movie, but should we talk about anything, anything else? I like, I like the Is big twist at the end. I gotta say, where you like, you find out that actually, like, his alter ego spy Hauser was the one who like was is is maybe actually setting up Quaid to bring the government to Matthias and and Quado. Like, I thought that that that, that was the cool twist I did not see coming. I think Matthias is in is in the remake. Is there Matthias in this one? He is. He is. He's. He's. He's Nighy. He's Nighy. Yeah, Matthias is in the remake. Who's the guy yeah, who, but... has, who has Quato in his belly? Oh, okay, that's his name. I don't know. I don't know because they never name him. Oh, okay. But... I thought that was Matthias. I mean, I'm, I'm but but you, you were saying it's Matthias, so I, I, I'm assuming. But that's Maybe they I'm don't wrong. have a Quato yeah. in, which is bonkers. I'm, this, I've, okay. I have more to say about that, but yeah, go ahead. I can't wait to talk about the second movie. But but the first movie, um, just. Can we talk about like what we think about it and like what we like about it? Like I, I, I love this movie. I think it's great. It's a great action movie. It's really funny. It kind of nails the Philip K. Dick aesthetic. I also love Verhoeven, like for uh, a lot of his movies. I like I love Robocop, you know, I love Starship Troopers. Um it, it, it it's it's a great movie. Does everything you said, like the aesthetic is like they really nail it. Um and even the plot and the twists are are good. And Arnold, uh, I'm a big Arnold fan. I love, I love Arnold as an action star. I think he's great. And this has some of his like, best moments. Like the one-liners in this movie are out, like out of control. Amazing. Like uh, consider a divorce is like kind of an overplayed classic at this point, but I don't get tired of seeing it. We're married. Consider that a divorce. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> that line is so amazing. And what fucking pisses me off so much about the second movie, like the fucking Colin Farrell movie, I'm sorry to swear, guys, but is that there's so many goddamn opportunities when that man could have said that fucking line. Well, I mean, he, <laughs> they, they came up with their own version, which it. really made me laugh, but we'll talk about it when we The separation one? No, there's like another one that's super clumsy it's, but, but and like Why that. not just say the fucking line? Let's, go, let's, move on. The let's move on to that movie because I've got a lot to say about that and other things about that movie. I thought this movie was great. Um, Before we switch from Total Recall, obviously I also think it's great. Can I just say how much I love how much time they spend on like their eyes melting near the end? And I don't know if like this was them imitating Indiana Jones and like the melting, the melting Nazi heads, but like it, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, that's really good. I forgot about that whole scene. Yeah, they're they're out in the atmosphere of Mars, and their faces are and they're ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> their eyes are bugging out. And then and then when the oxygen bursts out, they're totally fine. Like their faces aren't all distended yeah. and stuff. It's like as soon as they get that sweet like trip like trebinium air, they're like, oh, oh, okay, all my stuff is back in. I'm totally okay. I mean, again, so like again, great Philip K. Dickism, where like everyone could just be living, breathing on Mars, but this one asshole has figured out a way to cap to, to like make money off of selling air. So so he's made this planet uninhabitable 
Uh, I mean, he doesn't make the money off selling air. He uses the, the, the air supply to control the people mining the trebinium, right. which is the like main resource that comes from Mars. Right. So it's just that like he's controlling like the levers of of like like life. It's just like in like Mad Max with water or like you know, real life. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, but unlike Mad Max, this planet could be habitable except for this guy. It, it would it would interfere with this guy's business interests. Yes, exactly. That's it. It you know, it erodes his control, right? I also I also think that the like the side characters the side characters are amazing in this like this is what Hollywood like just doesn't do anymore like like nothing is wasted like even someone who's on screen for like 2 seconds yeah. is memorable like every single person in Venusville I feel like is like a thought out of character like uh, I think her character's name is Thumbelina but like the little person prostitute who just oh, yeah. like yes it is up, yeah like is amazing the like obviously the mutants like the mother and daughter mutant i think who are like holding each other thinking they're gonna i no, or maybe those are the psychics but then there's also like dean norris plays a mutant in in this i don't know if he has a name does he he's the one that like lets them dean norris yeah from who's Break- dean norris the guy from breaking Bre- bad? yeah from breaking bad he's like the mutant with like the vagina head. does he play tony the the guy yeah, yeah that's him like the vagina head who, yeah. who who says uh, who goes is oh it's, I can't believe you're going to show your face around here and then Arnold goes you should talk like that. <laughs> and Benny the taxi driver like every side character is like excellent like yes that's true that's a that's a really good point that like movies these days like especially like Marvel cinematic universe movies and I don't want to be like a like a Scorsese or something just like shit on superhero movies but I'm like very tired of them but like you're right they're, like they're like so lean they're like nothing is wasted you know and like it's kind of like there's a lot less like like this movie is full of so many memorable moments you know like there's so many little moments little character moments that are like really make this movie work that like make it like alive in your memory and like they don't you don't do that like as much these days you know but also new movies which perfect example is the 2012 movie but i feel like new hollywood they feel like they have to explain every single thing so it doesn't make sense to have like a great character that's there for one second so they've kind of like stopped doing that they'll just have the stars and like the secondary characters are forgettable but in this movie they do have a star that comes on for 30 fucking seconds like an amazing actor for 30 seconds and they kill him off. Let's talk about Total Recall 2012. <laughs> yeah. Total Recall 2012. Somebody, for reasons that are unclear to me, decided they were going to remake this movie 22 years later. Or 32 years later. With Colin Farrell. Uh, so I'd, li- I'd like to apologize, guys, because ever since we started this podcast, I said that I wanted, really wanted to watch this movie because I never had an excuse for it. And I really wanted to see like what, what happened with this remake. And I really regret it. I knew from like, but I, I was trying to be on this movie's side, but like the second you see the script on the screen, I was like, this is going to be bad. The second they like tried, they, they tried to explain to you what was happening in the world. I was like, no, no, this is going to not be good. Yeah. So they, they like tried to take the whole world of the first movie, except like strip away space and science fiction. So it just takes place in like. Like there's two, there's the United Federation of Britain and then there's like this colony, which is basically Australia, but it's called the colony where a bunch of like lower class workers live. One cool thing I did like about this movie, I liked some of the technology, like I liked the fall, which was like this big giant kind of elevator like thing that takes them, the workers from the colony to the United Federation of Britain. There's like cool visual stuff about it. It was sort of Blade Runnery. It was a little too Blade Runnery, didn't have enough of its own style, but like, okay, that's there's, all, there's that's a as generous as I could get. <laughs> Why is it always raining in Chinatown? Like, but why that, is that? I like that part because I love. Uh, yeah, I love. Yeah, Chinatown. Okay, like, was, yeah, gritty Chinatown. Like, I was like, this is Blade Runner. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I like, I like, like there are, are all some visual parts of this movie that I liked and I like them because they're Blade Runner. Like I like the Asian parts, the like sorry, Asian parts, the part of Australia, like Chinatown, because it looked like Blade Runner, like that aesthetic, that like really sort of gritty, wet, like uh mega yeah. city with like neon everywhere Ads and people like, living the, on top of each other. Place. Yeah. I really like that. Like it, it looked, it looked, it looked pretty good. And of course this movie is a sci-fi though, Kevin, not just because it doesn't have space, but it's like really inexplicable to me that like they, tried to like remake Total Recall. And let's be clear, it's a remake of Total Recall. This is not a remake of like yeah. the Philip K. Dick story. Yeah. Like this is a remake of the movie, which is a very strange adaptation of the Philip K. Dick story. And like, but it, it completely baffles me. Why not go to Mars? Like, why not? Like, why Why well, did we set up this like weird setup of like the UK, like a chemical, they don't even say nuclear war. They say chemical warfare that is like rendered everywhere else unlivable except for the UK on Australia and Australia. But like, why, why do that? Like just to set up the different factions. And also it wasn't clear to me in this movie until the end, until the Cohagen reveals his like, his like plan that these move these, these two places didn't have the same fucking government. Like, because, like, everyone is commuting to work with the fall. And, like, they don't, like, like even show you that they're, like, different governments. So they don't even set up, like, they just set up the rebellion thing. Well, they don't even explain why, right? It's like, why why don't they just have workers in the United Federation of Britain working in the United Federation of Britain? Like, it's never, like, it's never explained, really. Because it's supposed to be, like, an allegory for, like, them being, like, um... Like workers from a developing country. I understand you know. it's supposed to be that, but in the actual world, they don't explain why it's happening. Because they have, like, basically the fall, which is, like, better than, like, the LRT and the subway to, like, get to work every day. But then they're so happy when someone someone destroys the fall. They're all like, yeah, we never have to go to work and get a paycheck again. Yeah, that that doesn't make sense. Like, oh, our economy just got destroyed. (laughs) Like, great. You know, like, like, what is going on there? You know? (laughs) It makes no sense. The world is what it makes sense. I also Um, think that some of the things that were good in it, like, they barely spent. And, like, I, I was really trying to get on board with this film. And at the beginning... Like it almost got me there because like they kind of rebranded Recall, like which like in the first movie is like this kind of, I don't know, like just a eighties type corporation, and this was kind of like a hedonistic den. And I was like, hey, it's a dentist office. It's a well, I just felt like there could be some like it looked like a brothel. There could be like gangster elements. Like there could have been some like they could have gone somewhere. More no, but fun. in 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 the Verhoeven, it's a dental office, and in the Colin Farrell one, it's like a t- a, a seedy tattoo parlor. Yeah, but I was like, I feel like that could have gone somewhere fun. Yeah, you did. Weren't you also on board with Colin Farrell, though? To tell us, to tell us the truth here. Yes. Well, I love. Col- okay, I love Colin Farrell. But then I looked at his filmography, and I'm like, okay, I haven't. Colin Farrell's a good actor. He is a great actor, but I think the thing is, he he's not a good guy action star. You know what I mean? He's not, and he's not. I think the good guy. I think he's good when he's got a. He's playing a character that has a bit of like evil to him. Like he's great and like. Um, like Bullseye. In Bruges. In Daredevil. Yeah, Bullseye. Yeah, but like Banshees of Inner Sharon. In Bruges, like, he's, got, he's kind of in a In Bruges, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, as the Penguin, you know what I mean? Horrible boss. Like, he's good when he's not playing like a good guy. And here, like, I don't know if it's because the script. Yeah. Like, this character was just like devoid of anything. Like, he just looked like kind of surprised the whole it's time. Horrible. And then at the beginning, he's kind of established as like the good looking hero because you see him like topless and he looks great. But like, he's given. He, I feel like he's given nothing. Like, well, he isn't. Like okay, I actually have. I want as well. Yeah, I want to play. A, I want to play a clip of where Hauser meet where he meets Matthias, who's like the rebel leader at the end. I want to remember 
What? So I can be myself? Be who I was? It is each man's quest to find out who he truly is, but the answer to that lies in the present, not in the past, as it is for all of us. But the past tells us who we've become. The past is a construct of the mind. It blinds us, it fools us into believing it. But the heart wants to live in the present. But, but Bill, Bill, why the fuck is Bill Nighy in this movie? He's in this movie for 15 fucking minutes. It's like... And, like, he's, like, he's, like, he's a really good actor. Yeah. And, like, this, the director of this did Underworld, right? A movie, a vampire <laughs> movie, so it means I've watched it. And I've watched it recently. Underworld, not the best vampire series, you know, but it does some good vampire and werewolf uh, parts. But Bill Nighy's in that, too. Yeah. And so is Kate Beckinsale. And he's, like, really great in it. But he's in this movie for, like, 15 minutes. And then he immediately dies. It is, like, the most blatant cash grab ever. Like, well, it's just, like, but that that script though, it's just so, it's just like, it's like out of a self help book or something. Like, it's just like the, the writing is so lazy and so on point at all times. It's just like all the entire script is like that scene that I just played. Yeah, it's just like and everything's th- supposed to be really deep and meaningful, but but it just rings hollow. I listened to another podcast about this movie, a podcast that Roxanne and I love, and and the and the, and the guy describes Colin Farrell's performance as saying, "Oh, he doesn't want to." <laughs> he doesn't want to distract us from the beautiful world they've constructed. <laughs> so he plays it completely straight because he doesn't want to take us out of it. That's Stuart Wellington. <laughs> but that's the thing too. Like that's the difference with like an action star with Arnold. Like I feel like you have to like earnestly believe these movies that come off as silly to perform them well. You know what I mean? And like, this is not Colin Farrell's, I think wheelhouse. Like he's playing it super seriously. I, I think, I think what it is, is he's not having fun. He's not having it's fun. It's not a fun movie. You don't see him having fun. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has having fun. This guy's like, this guy's like, Contrail's like, what would it be like if you couldn't remember who you were, but you had to do the right thing? Like, what would it be like if it was actually like that? And he plays it straight. And it's, the, the answer is, it sucks. There's like at least four scenes like that that last forever where it's just characters saying like, really, like, nothing for like a long time. The one that really s- sticks out to me is the one where, He's like, okay, yeah, his coworker shows up and it's like, you're just, you know, dreaming right now. Like you need to snap out of it. And he's like trying to convince um, Colin Farrell, his name's Doug in this too, right? Yeah, Doug. That Quayle. he's like just dreaming and this is like an illusion. And, and it lasts like forever. It lasts like, I just felt like it was like, is this half the movie? Like, is this scene ever going to end? And they're just talking and talking. <laughs> So that's a really good scene in the original, right? Where he's like, yes, he's, un- such a good he's, scene. he's so quite as uncl- unsure whether he's in reality or not. And this guy's trying to convince him that it's fake and you should kill your wife because she's um, trying to mess with your head. And then he eventually- No, no, don't kill, don't kill your wife. No, he's trying to convince him to kill her wife and he kills- No, original- no, no, he says- Melina. That kills girlfriend. Uh, to kill his girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, yeah, girlfriend. yeah, Melina. Yeah. Jessica Biel. Yeah. But then he kills the guy instead, and then you realize, and then you, and then you realize he actually is really killed. But, him. The, but the great but, thing but is, so in the original, slow in the remake, yeah, go ahead, John. But in the original, you see the sweat bead, and the actor who plays it is giving a speech, and he's like so impassioned, and he just sees the sweat bead, and then like Arnold's Quaid is like, well, if this was like actually a figment, this guy wouldn't be sweating under pressure, so I'm gonna kill him. That's the thing to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is like. A very like a, a wild conclusion to make, you know. But in this one, it's like really drawn out, yeah. and it's like it's just it's just painful to watch. The pacing. And also, Go ahead, John. Every fucking action scene in this is the same. 
Oh my god! It's always the same. They're they, they're they're somewhere. They're somewhere, and then like the government and Kate Beckinsale find them, and now they're running, and like everything is exploding, and it's like the same thing. Well, I will say that Kate, Kate Beckinsale gives it in the action scenes. In the action scenes, she's the only one. Like my <sighs> eye was always on her because I thought, okay, like she's doing the most. But although her character's motivations are like, what? Why yeah. do you hate him so much? That I didn't understand. But I was kind of like, at least yeah. she was interesting I when she was question. on screen. <laughs> Also, why did they cast two women that kind of like look very similar? Jessica Biel and Kate Beckinsale. I was like, they look very similar. Yeah. Do you not think that was intentional? Because they're supposed to be like those guys in the brunettes, you know? She's the worst cop ever, though. She's just like, like you're saying, Roxanne, for no, like, she seems to have this like visceral hatred for this guy that's making her like abandon all best practices of police work and just like shoot indiscriminately into crowds with machine guns all throughout the movie. But that's what Richter does in the Verhoeven movie, and we're fine with it. Like, he's just pissed off that Arnold slept with his girl, you know? Well, that makes sense. He's, he's like, he's visibly Yeah, but this, this one, this one, she's like, she has, like, a professional rivalry with him, right? Like, that's I the guess. thing. I guess. I don't know. Do like, even... it, no, it doesn't make, you're, yeah. you're right to be annoyed at it. It doesn't make sense. But in the, in the original movie, it's, like, the same thing. Like, Richter is just, like, an asshole, and he's, like, going against orders by trying to kill this guy. But, like, it works yeah. somehow, even in that silly movie. Also, why is she even there when they're, like, they have these, like, robot police that could killing machines that could go after him like why do you need to involve the humans in the fight scenes and like why does like the president brian cranston get into like a knife fight with a super spy <laughs> oh my god can i please talk about the robots <laughs> the storm okay so like the, the really big nerd of me in this is the, the nerd of me in this with these robots is like what is their power level? God damn it. Like sometimes they're shot and nothing happens. Sometimes they're shot and they go down. Sometimes he's like doing Kung Fu fights with them and he's like kicking their ass. And other times they're like lifting him up like by the head. Like he's like nothing. So what can these robots do? Like, are they like, are they like robots? You know what? I love the part where or he like, just are like, they like, are they like droids in Star Wars? No, like, ro- what are they? I love the part where he just like pulls the panel off its chest and just like messes up with its, its circuits. And it just but that's because he, he was working as, as a, 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 a assembly line worker, like but in the still. sweatshop. So he's like, he knows that it's so dumb. But yeah. I like, I do like at the end, uh, like, and also, like, and Brian Cranston, like, yeah, why is like the president, like, can I get a, get knife, a knife fight, fight with this guy? <laughs> with a super spy. Like, what? what yeah. He also kind of looks like Bill Nighy. I was like, the casting is like, I was like, they kind of look similar-ish, you know, like two older white men with like similar hairstyles. I was like, give me a little diversity in this cast, guys. <laughs> um, also, the, okay, so early on in this movie, the scene where he actually like realizes that he's a super spy, like he, when he goes to recall, escalates so insanely quickly. <laughs> like I just, I'm, I'm going to play that just a sec. Happy trails, man. Tell me all about it when you get... Wait. What? Shit. Shit. John Cho looks so cool yeah, in this. Before it takes. Ah, you lie. Right about Guns come out. Bitch. Look, I don't have a mistress. What are you talking about? You're a goddamn spy. Vitals are everywhere. Wait here! Oh, oh, Wait! Federal police! So Dontra realizes he's a spy, immediately pulls a gun on him and starts like points it at his head. And within like 10 seconds, federal police agents are bursting down the door. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, are these guys like trailing him at all times? Like, I just like, I don't understand <laughs> the action sequence that's happening. I have another question. I have, I have two questions about that scene. My first question is John Cho looks, okay, first question is, has a long preface, is that John Cho looks so cool. And like, Roxanne, you were talking about how this like recall seemed really cool. This like CD tattoo power or whatever, or like time is Seuss place. 
But part of that's because John Cho looks amazing, and he like is he's really cool. And he's another great actor, like Bill Nighy, and they kill him in like five seconds. Yeah, like he could have been like a recurring character. So it would have been awesome. Like in 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 the Total Recall, they had the the bald guy who kind of sounds like the uh, Truman Capote or whatever with a high pitched voice. He comes up again, you know, with the sweat bee, and he gets shot. Like they could have had him do something like that. That yeah. would have been awesome. And then they kill him. And the other thing is like one of the reasons why I was so confused about like the like the, the governmental structure of this movie, like. I thought like Australia was run by the same government is because the cops are the same cops that are in the UK and they're like right outside the door of like, don't they already run this place? If they have like, 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 like how many guys does he kill? Like 50? Which is like, this have like, like what what country is like like, like it doesn't control there's like fifty of their own forces like right there outside of like the but recall why, parlor. Why are they there? Like are they just trailing yeah, why are him they there? just in case he gets activated one day? Like are they always waiting? <laughs> and they're immediately there. And if they can already get all those troops immediately there, why do they need to do this fucking like invasion plan? You know. Yeah. Also, when he realizes he's a spy and everything, and that and that Lori wasn't his wife's someone, I forget who tells him like, "Did you actually think someone like her would marry someone like you?" Like as if Colin Farrell isn't like a super fit hottie. <laughs> Yeah, he looks amazing. He's like, yeah, like his top scene looks gorgeous. It's the only thing he has going for him in this movie. Okay, another big thing that annoyed me about this movie Harsh, was but true. They keep they keep reminding you about the original movie, and they keep showing you like this is what happened, and we're gonna take a left turn, and the left turn's always worse. You know, like there's these little Easter eggs, like the three boobed woman again, who makes no sense in the context of this movie because there's no other mutants in this world. And then there's like there's like the scene where he's going through the the amazing scene from the original where he's going through customs and he's dressed up at this as this like large lady and like her, her she glitches and her face comes off and they like they show her in the original but then it's like she goes through and it's like oh no he's actually just this other guy boring guy and they quote and she quotes the original movie yeah but then they're like oh we're not gonna play that cool scene we're gonna redo it with a boring guy instead like I'm like why why did you do that. <laughs> And no Benny, and, like, they don't do the divorce line. Like, there's just no joy in this movie. Well, they they do their own version of the divorce line, which I wrote down because it's so bad and clumsy. They say, talk, or we can skip right to till death do us part. And then, like, later that comes back, I think they repeat till, like, they repeat it. They repeat something like that. Okay, now is it till death do us part or something like that? Yeah. Just, like, but, like, it's so bad. I was like, is that supposed to be, like, the divorce equivalent? Yeah, not as not as choppy. So the other thing I that the other thought that occurred to me was like, so the kind of one liners and the then the kitschiness of the original. I don't think I realized like at the time until I watched this movie, I was like, oh, actually, having a bit of humor and one liners and stuff actually does a lot of heavy lifting for an action movie, because then you're like, it's fun and it's funny, and then it doesn't matter that the, that the, like all the all the action is over the top and someone punches someone and blood goes flying because like it feels of a piece with like the hokiness of the dialogue and stuff. When you're trying to take everything really seriously, it just like it just doesn't work. Yeah, and also in Verhoeven, when they open fire in like a subway station and kill a bunch of like random passerbyers, I'm not like, oh my god. No, you're just laughing, perfect. right? You're just you're like, oh, it's just so silly. Yeah. you know, it's just so funny. And in this one, when that like similar thing happens, you're like, oh god, like this is this is horrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like usually in these like action movies, they have at least one comic relief person, and like I don't know if that was supposed to be his coworker, but he, like I don't know who if he's supposed to be I don't funny. Remember who his coworker was? 
I forget what his name is. But he's not even like he's a... He's not funny. He's just more he's down... Not even no, he's there. just not like down he's to like earth, no screen right? time. He's just more down to earth where he's like talking yeah, about... Yeah, he's just the, like a bit more like, personal. why are we in this this fall? And he's like, we've got asses, so we sit here. You know, he's like, he's not funny. He's just he's just like... Jessica Biel is supposed to be the comedic. Oh, God. Okay. Is there anything left to say? Um. Yeah, this movie was, it was pretty bad. Although I, I did like the way Australia looked like Blade Runner. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe look better than Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh, it know. it did make oh it did make me laugh when he suddenly remembered how to play the piano, because <laughs> like earlier he was like, oh yeah, I don't know if this was meant to be an insult. I don't think, or was he telling his wife like I've always wanted to play the piano, and then like later, the second I saw his head resting against the piano, I was like, oh no, movie, don't do it, don't do it, and then he plays like. I don't know. I don't know my composers, but like he plays a beautiful piece. I was watching with my wife and she's like, oh, the key. I was I was watching my wife and she's like, oh, the key is going to be a piano key. And I was like, mm, and then it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just like, it's just like they wasted a lot of time. Like a lot of good actors could have been making better movies than this. Brian Cranston, Bill Nye. Colin Farrell, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, Ethan Hawke. We haven't talked about Ethan Hawke, who's just like a floating head. What? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is on this? Yeah, he's like, he's the actual, he's actually Carl Hauser. And he like the thing is that they remade his face to look like Colin Farrell. Mm. What? Oh, what? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because when, yeah, the piano key scene, right? And he comes on and like the hologram comes. No, that's, that's like Colin Farrell with a goatee. <laughs> no, it's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, that's... That's not. <laughs> no, that was Colin. Let's put Colin Farrell with right goatee. Now. Oh my God, Jonathan, your your mind. It was Colin Farrell with goatee. Hauser's goatee. That's why it's evil. No, it's Ethan. No, I'm telling you. In my version on Netflix, it was Colin Farrell. With <laughs> goatee. John, you guys had different versions. Why would uh, they? Ethan Hawke is not in. Why this would movie they cut out Ethan Hawke? Censor, censorship. He makes an un- Ethan Hawke makes an uncredited cameo in the as the original Car House in the director's cut. You must have watched the director's cut. I watched the director's cut. <laughs> Did you watch it on Netflix? Me? No. You watched the director's cut. Ethan Hawke was not in my movie. I would have why, known for sure. Why would they where, change where that? Where did you watch it, Roxanne? I just on some streaming site. I'm gonna have to show you the. <laughs> but why did would his face change? I wish there were more Ethan. I wish there were more like Ethan Hawke floating heads in it. Quite frankly, I think it would have been a better movie. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been like a way better movie. There's a lot of caveats of people with floating heads. Why did they make this movie? Why did they make this movie? And there's nothing subtle about it. Even even when he's reading, he's reading Ian Fleming in the fall. I was like, this is somehow gonna come back, and I think it does. Like he he wants to be a oh like, my god a spy because of that or something. And I was like, like there's nothing that's like just there to be like everything's there for a reason that's really explained to you. What did you write? Arnold action. I can't, I can't read that. I wrote, why did they make this? And I underlined it twice with two big question marks. Oh, I thought you knew. I thought you researched no, it. Why I, did I they tried to find this? out. I don't know. I mean, wh- why did they make a lot of things? And I think this was like Col- Colin Farrell's second bad remake. Like, I think he had just remade what? Fright Night, which was also horrible. Mm. And then he remade this. But luckily, Coco's bounced back. What? His name is, you call him Coco? I call him Coco. Coco's going to win the Oscar, baby. He's forgotten about Total Recall. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm done. I'm done with this. 
Everyone should watch the original Total Recall. Is that how you finish your podcast? <laughs> yeah, done. Everyone should watch the original Total Recall. Nobody I'm should done. ever watch the Rocket TV Recall 2012 <laughs> ever again. This is. Should we mention this is the second time Jessica Biel has been in a uh, as the love interest in a Philip K. Dick adaptation? She was the love interest for Nicolas Cage in Next, 2009's Next. Much better movie. Which uh, Roxanne, you sh- you would you would totally. You would get a kick out of that movie. You should totally watch it if you haven't already. Probably because I love Nicolas Cage, but I just feel like Jessica... Who doesn't love Nicolas Cage? Jessica Biel, to me, I just, like, she's just, just so beige. She's got, not, like, maybe because she's married to Justin Timberlake, but... Yeah. Okay, let's talk if about If I had to week. vote between Kate Beckinsale 1 and Kate Beckinsale 2, I would vote for Kate Beckinsale 1 in this movie. What? There's so many scenes where Kate Beckinsale is marching in this movie <laughs> and her hair is like bouncing. Like I don't really even know what angrily. you're talking about, Roxanne. What, what do you mean one or two? Because they look alike. Oh. Oh, director's cut. No, because they look the same. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you don't know, I'm saying it's part of the director's cut. <laughs> you wouldn't know. I just love that we just talked about this movie for like 20 minutes and then it turns out we were watching a different movie. <laughs> I love that I watched a version where I see Ethan's... Where there's a whole like other subplot that they also explain, and I was like, another thing they're explaining, and I could have watched a version where there there was at least like one layer less. <laughs> yeah, yours was definitely. I assume yours was longer than ours, <laughs> so I, I feel bad for you. Mine was, I think, two hours. Yeah, theirs was like an hour fifty or something. It was too long. It was too long. It felt so long. Okay. Um, thank you, Roxanne, for joining us again, and you will be back, but not on the next episode. My pleasure. Yeah. No. Uh, Sorry. You could always no. do an episode here in Montreal. Why not? I I could, but I don't want to like tell you guys, and I have to bail because I don't know what I have. Yeah, pull a Jacob. I have to see a lot of people. Pull a Jacob, who who was really excited to talk about this movie and kept talking about it and trying to tell us how to make this episode, and they didn't show up. <laughs> uh, okay. Next is going to actually just be me and John Solo reading. Dr. Blood Money. Yeah, I'm excited to read that one. I've always wanted to read it. Yeah, I've started it and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I haven't started it. That was The Rhetorizer. Music and editing by Kevin Sexton, who would like to apologize for his sound. He had the wrong microphone input selected. Roxanne Newdun holds the secret that's keeping humanity from an interstellar war. John is a fridge of a man. A mini-fridge. You can email us at a show about books at gmail.com. Onwards.